Hey, welcome to Sunday School. I'm glad you're here. Good morning. Good morning. Thank you. You're listening to the Mills Sunday School Podcast. We are the College and 20-somethings ministry of New Life Church. Would you turn to one of the places in the Bible where we find the Christmas story? I'm going to read from the King James Version because I like that version. It's the version that's in the Charlie Brown story. So turn to Luke chapter 2. And you should get uh, comfortable turning, flipping to this passage in your Bible, because it's a great passage to dwell upon this week. It's a great passage to read as a family together on Christmas morning or on uh, Christmas Eve. And it's Luke chapter 2, starting in verse 8, when shepherds are abiding in the field. So are you there yet? You need another second to turn? So we we are in the habit of having you, uh, encouraging you to turn in your own text to the passages that we're, that we're reading. So Luke 2, verse 8 says, And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, an angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. Verse 10, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people. Verse 11 says, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. You shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude Of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill towards men. Let's pray. Father who is in heaven, we thank you that you, your son Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit, by the overshadowing of of a woman, came to this earth. You did not become God, but you became flesh and made your dwelling among us so that we might see you and know your glory, the glory of the one and only, the one who brought light into this dark world, the one who created the world was now in the world. And Lord, we look back at that moment. We look forward to your coming again in this season of Advent. Lord, we we worship you and expect your coming. We thank you that you came and you are still here. You are alive and well because you resurrected from the grave and you destroyed the grave. So we worship you and we praise you. And all the saints of God screamed, Amen. So it's Christmas. So a Christmas sermon and a sermon about the incarnation is is what we're going to do this morning. It's our it's our sermon series for the month. And I wanted to begin with one of the the my favorite, my personal favorite uh, sermon uh, analogies, sermon parables, sermon stories. I heard this a long time ago on the radio. Paul Harvey, maybe you've heard it before, um, but it's the the parable of the man and the birds, and it goes something like this. Once upon a time, there was a man, and he was a good man. He wasn't an evil man. He wasn't a Scrooge about Christmas, but he didn't believe. He didn't believe in the stories uh, of the Bible. He didn't believe in a God at all. He was a normal man, a good man. He had a wife and a family, and Christmas Eve rolled around, and he he pulled his wife aside and said, 
I'm not going to go to church with you guys. I've been going to church uh, on Christmas Eves and Easter's sometimes. But he said, I do not believe in this God. And I think it hypocritical if I was to go to church and celebrate with you guys on Christmas. So you guys go. I'm just going to stay home. My wife reluctantly said, okay. Got the kids in the car. They went off to church. And the man sat in his home just kind of sitting and thinking and waiting next to a fire. And all of a sudden... He heard something. He said, well, what in the world was that? It sounds like someone threw a snowball at the window. So he gets up, he goes out and looks, and he sees a bird lying on the ground dead. This bird was trying to get in because it was so cold outside. As the, as the, the Christmas always falls on one of the darkest uh, times of the year, it was getting colder and colder where he was. And this flock of birds had flown in and gotten lost. And here they were freezing. He saw them on the tree. And if you know anything about birds, when they get cold, they, they puff themselves up to try to warm themselves. And he's looking out there and saying, gosh, these birds are going to die. And so another one boom, hits the window. He's like, what can I do to help these poor little birds? They're going to freeze to death. It's getting colder and colder. They're out of place. They're lost. They need a place to go just for the night to stay warm. They need salvation. And so he thought, well, I have a barn. And so he went outside, he opened the barn doors, and it was warm in there. And he thought if he could, if he could get the birds to go in there, he could save them. And so he's, he's over there by the barn saying, come on, birds, let's get in, birds, come on. And they're just sitting there looking at him like he's crazy because they have no idea what he's trying to do. And he, he thought, well, maybe I'll go around. I'll try to shoo them into the barn. But of course, they scattered, and, and they're even more cold now. And he thought, if only I could become a bird. And then appear to them and, and talk and be like them. Talk to them. Fly. Show them the way into the barn. Well, then they would understand and they would have salvation and they would get into the barn. And so as he's thinking that, he heard a church bell ring and fell to his knees. And that is the parable of the man and the birds. It's a good parable. It's, it's uh, one that I heard many years ago, and every Christmas season, I, I just enjoy uh, telling it in some circumstance. So I'm glad you all got to hear it. So if you're in the Mill Sunday School right now, welcome. If you're listening via podcast, welcome as well. But for those of you that are here, if you're new to the Mill Sunday School, we have uh, cards on every table. And if you wanted to fill one of these out and bring it to the nice people as you leave, when you, when you leave here, you can fill it out. Give us as much or as little information as you want. And then we will send you an email if you want or call you. And uh, we give you a gift if you want. It's uh, got Brady's Boyd's uh, book in there and a, uh, a CD of our worship band. So that's that. That's an announcement. I've got a couple more announcements for you. So hang on and pay attention. This one is really important. It's kind of our event of the year. It is our winter retreat. What? what? Uh, next month, the end of next month, the last weekend of the month, uh, the, we are going to go together to Golden Bell, which is just right in the mountains, and it's in right next to Woodland Park. And if you went last year, they have an amazing facility for us. We, they've even built a new meeting place for us, and we're going to meet. We're going to worship the Lord. We're going to spend the weekend talking about who we are in Christ as, as we focus on God, and we allow God to, to speak to us. So who are we as sons and daughters in the Lord? And so we're going to spend the weekend talking about who we are in Christ. And there's because of all of you who are procrastinators. Any procrastinators out there? Don't be proud. Put your hand down. 
Because you're procrastinators, we, we said that the, the price of this retreat is $99 for the first 20 people, and then it's going to go up to 120 And because apparently everyone in here likes to procrastinate, uh, I think there's 18 people or so registered. So there's two or three? Two or three? Two. Oh, so we're, we're going to do it for the first 25. So there's six people. Well, six, seven, eight. I'm doing the math in my head. Five, six, seven people. That's the math. Uh, there's seven spots left to pay 99. And then after that, it's going to go up to 120. So register right now. You can register on your phone. You could register on your laptop. You just go to newlifechurch.org. Click on the button. looks like this. And then you can register that way. Or... If you, if you can't get to the internet, if the phone's not working, as you leave, uh, at the middle table, you see back there, there's a table and there's a curtain. Uh, Victoria's going to have her laptop, and you can talk to her and register then. So that's that announcement. Next is the New Year's Eve celebration. We're going to meet at a house, and we're not going to tell you where we're going to meet until you register because it's totally free. We only want you to register so we can get a head count, so we can buy uh, the, the right amount of food. We're going to have good food for you. We're going to praise and worship our Lord, and then we're going to have a comedian there, right? And anything else? Victoria's kind of planning the thing. Yeah, that's, I mean, great food. It's going to be fun. It's going to be from 8.30 to, to after the eve, after it becomes 2016. So register for that. There's online. Once again, it's easy to do. You, you click on the thing that looks like that. Then you have to, it takes like five minutes of your life, which is just brutal, I know, uh, to register. But then you'll get an email saying the address and some more information. And it's formal. Girls. What? What? Guys. <laughs> so it'll be a, a great amount of fun so that's announcement and finally one more announcement no sunday school next week uh we always give our leaders off uh the the, the right around christmas so uh that's that's for them so no uh sunday school next week which will bring us right to get getting started with what we're going to talk about today it will lead us to our nerd alert you guys are really fun so here's the nerd alert the incarnation of our Lord. What does that mean? Well, it means to be made flesh. So stop and consider for just a second that the God whom we worship, the God of all, the one who made this. Here's a picture, if you could see it, of the Milky Way. If you look up in a dark night sky into the, the, the world in which we live in, you, you, you could pick out like a dark spot in our sky. And if you get big enough telescopes, you could look into a dark spot and see, well, maybe there's a galaxy there. It's very possible that, that through the, like a, just a telescope you can go buy at Walmart, you could see a galaxy. And in that galaxy, maybe it's something like our galaxy of the Milky Way, there's like 200 to 300 billion stars. And if there's that many stars, well then how many planets are revolving around those suns in that? I mean, the world in which we live in, the bigness of it all is, is unbelievable. And, and the, we, as, um, as, as people talk about, you know, the, the beauty of our world, the beauty of the creation, the bigness of it all, that God who made that came to this earth. Consider another analogy, the potter. Isaiah 64, 8 says, Yet you, Lord, are our Father. We are the clay. You are the potter. We are the work of your hand. And so the potter who makes pottery forms us, creates us, becomes one of us. How amazing is that? You stand in awe of that knowledge. 
if you really consider and think, you know, beside, you know, people know the Christmas story in their head, but as it, as it goes to your heart, you consider, really, the, the God of all made us, the one who made us became one of us for our sake. Like, who are we? Who, like, we don't deserve that, that our Lord became one of us and showed us the way and in him himself was the way. So here's a quote about um, Christology. It's, it has a lot to do with the incarnation. What I want you to do, it's on the back of your notes as well. What I want you to do is just take one minute and, and read this quote and at your tables, in your own words, what does this quote mean? It's by N.T. Wright, uh, a famous theologian, an Anglican theologian, written lots of books, uh, a favorite theologian of mine. So read it, then talk about it. If you're at a smaller table, please feel free to jump into a bigger table and and discuss briefly what this quote means. Ready, get set? Discuss. All right. If you had a second to talk, this quote is a powerful one. People often ask me... um, who, who is God? Who do you think is God? How, how can you know who is God? Um, describe the God you believe in. And all those questions can be answered in the name Jesus. If you want to know who the God is that I worship, if you want to know a little bit more about him, well then Jesus is the best representation of God on this earth. Yes, we have the Bible. Yes, we have the church. Yes, we have uh, this and that. But if you really want to really know who our God is, well, then you look at Jesus because he is fully God and fully man at the same time. A couple months ago, we, we did in the, in the big service a series on the Nicene Creed. And here's some, uh, a painting of the church fathers holding up the creed in Greek. And it begins with, we believe in the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, all that is, seen and unseen. Then it gets to the part about Jesus. And we believe in Jesus, one Lord, God the Father, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one essence with the Father. That's who we believe Jesus is. And it's mind-blowing. It's, it's to think about we worship a man who came 2,000 years ago who was not just fully a man, but he was also fully God himself. So here's a little Christmas story, a little trivia for you. You might know this, um, but at, at the creed, at the council, as the creed is being written and, and talked about and, and going on and on about how Jesus is in fact the one with the Father, God from God, light from light. He is one essence with the Father. There was a heretic who was there named Arian, and Arian, or Arius, came to be known as Arianism, uh, was talking about how Jesus was not God himself. And there was a man there who was a bishop. His name is Nicholas, Bishop Nicholas from Myra. We know him as Saint Nicholas, and and to to carry on the tradition, the the Dutch call him Sinterklaas, which sounds a lot like Santa. So Santa... Uh, at least how the, the real Santa, this bishop from Myra, uh, a city which is in present-day Turkey, went to the Council of Nicaea, and Nicaea is in present-day Turkey. And so they're there, and this, this bishop, Santa Claus, if that helps you, is listening to this heretic, Arian, go on and on about how Jesus is not God. Uh, Santa Claus gets up, walks over to this heretic, and slaps him right in the face. Sorry, Victoria. <laughs> Scare you like that. And so I found this slide, and I thought, it's, it's pretty fun. So deck the halls, 
Trideca heretic. So if that helps you this Christmas, think about the true Santa Claus and how passionate he was about the true nature of Jesus and who we worship. Well, then let, let that be a little bit of fun for you. So Christ the Lord is born. We read in Luke 2, the angel of the Lord comes upon these shepherds who are just out in the field abiding their flocks by night and the angel comes and the glory shines all about around them and and they're so afraid and the angel says don't be afraid for unto you is born this day a savior in the city of david and he is christ the lord and we find out a little bit later that that magi will come to him and they will worship him they find him as a little boy and these, these magi, the, the, the people from the east, these kings from the east, bring gifts to him and they worship this little boy. They don't worship God because of this little boy. They worship this little boy. So there's lots of theology here to say, that lots of scripture here to say, this baby boy that is born is, is not just 100% uh, human, but he's also 100% God. So consider that. Once again, I mean, that, that's, that's the whole topic of this morning is the incarnation, that God himself would become one of us. Consider this scene. This is one of my favorite nativity scenes painted by Rembrandt. It's on the cover of your, of your notes. And it's uh, the baby being born. And where is the light coming from in this painting? It's coming from the child, Christ, the Savior, and I, I see that as, as light coming into this dark world, a spiritual analogy, a spiritual reference. To consider Mary for just a second. We as Protestants often, you know, we, we look at the Catholic Church or the Orthodox Church or uh, maybe higher traditions than, than our uh, church at New Life, which we, we would say is, is a low liturgical service. And we often see, like I have friends that are Catholic that have little uh, St. Mary dolls and they'll often pray to Mary. And we as Protestants are like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't worship Mary. Don't do that. But there's, when we do that, we can potentially, as Protestant believers, throw out the figurative baby with the figurative bathwater, and, and we don't give any credit to the woman who said yes to God. I mean, think about who in this world was the closest to God. We can consider Moses, oh, very close to God, spoke to God face to face. We can consider Abraham, very close to God, was sent by God. We consider uh, John the Baptist, a forerunner of Jesus, and then we consider Mary. And no one else has held God in their womb like Mary did. No one else, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a graphic image, but no one else gave birth to God. And no one else put God on their breast and nursed God himself. I mean, think about how close Mary and God, if we truly believe that Jesus as a baby was God himself, then I don't think anyone was closer to God himself well, well, then Mary, and all she said was yes. She was highly favored. She was chosen by God. She was, she was pure. She was a virgin. And in her, the Holy Spirit, it says the Holy Spirit uh, you know, overcame her. The Holy Spirit overshadows her. And God himself finds a home for himself in this woman. She's considered like the new temple. In the Old Testament, the temple of God is where God resided. Mary is the new temple. Mary is... Uh, uh, so the Greek language about her, the ancient Greek word is she's the theotokos, the God bearer. And how all of us are to be 
like that, like God bearing God on this earth. Mary, in a very literal sense, to God in the flesh, but us, to bear God, to be incarnationally minded when we think about bringing God to this earth. Because God, in Jesus Christ, we find fully God and fully man. So I'm going to bore you just a second with another big word. The word is the hypostatic union. It's a theological word. It's a word many of you have probably already heard before because you're nerds, because you're young adults, and you're here at 9.30 in the morning. And so what better crowd to to talk a little bit more about this big, important word. But the hypostatic union came about um, after the Council of Nicaea. The Nicene Creed voted that Jesus is fully God. And, and, and he came down from heaven, and he was made man. But then people began to question, well, well was, he, was he made man in that he, like, put on humanity like a, like a suit? How did he, how was he made man? And so just a little while longer, they had another council, and they spelled it all out. And they said, well, he is fully God and fully human. He's 100% God. He's 100% man. He is one God. He is one being, and yet he has two natures. And then it gets into very interesting theological things and lots plays upon this, what we believe about Jesus. So we, we say he's one God, he's one being, he has two natures. He's one being, but he has two persons. He's one being, but he has two uh, wills. And he is not, for instance, um, like we think about how he put on humanity, how he came into this world. He is not... Um, an avatar. Do you remember that movie from a long time ago? Uh, in that movie, or the idea is, is that someone, a real person, gets into this machine and projects themselves onto another planet. Um, or if, if you play a lot of video games, you create for yourself an avatar in certain games, and you like go through and you make the avatar look something like you, except a lot more muscular and cool-looking. Um, <laughs> and then you play your character in this game. So it's like the real you is sitting on a couch eating Doritos, but in, in the game, you're, you're playing this game in which your avatar is in the world. And Christian said, Jesus coming into the world is nothing like an avatar. It's nothing like God is off in the clouds. The real God is off there, and he just sent kind of a, a video game character, a projection of himself onto this earth. No way. That is no, that's heresy. That's nothing like what happened. God himself fully came, and he remained fully God and fully human in this earth. I've heard people talk about... Um, Jesus coming and uh, how he's fully God, how he is not like another example would be uh, Jesus came to this world and just put on the suit of humanity, like a Halloween suit. He dressed up as a human. And so on the inside of the suit is the real God, the real guy. And the, and the suit that everyone saw was humanity. And we would say, no, 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 it's not like that. He was fully human and he was fully God. He didn't just like clothe himself in humanity. He literally became human. He was 100% flesh. So that when he came into this world, he, he felt pain. He experienced suffering on the cross as we celebrate Easter and the resurrection of our Lord. He truly died. God truly died. His humanity truly died. And, and the, the beginning of this mystery is hard to explain. It's hard to think about. It's above my theological pay grade, as I often say. But he became fully human. And so if he fully came, fully human, well then what does that say 
about how we are to be like him. Something that a word that I hear around Christmas time, a word that I hear from really good missionaries that, that know their stuff, is, is the, the word incarnational. It's how we do ministry. The two words together, incarnational ministry, say, well, well, because of the incarnation, because God himself came to earth, well, then what does that mean for how we are to go into the world? And I want to give this to you back as a discussion question. So at your tables, consider the incarnation. Consider God himself coming to earth. And I, I worded it like this for you to discuss. So if you're at a smaller table, jump right in with a bigger table again. I think bigger is better for these discussion questions. And so answer this. What does the incarnation, God coming to earth, like as our example, what does that mean for the way we serve people? Oh gosh, spelled wrong. Uh, forget that I spelled it wrong. I can't, but you can. Um, what does the incarnation mean for the way we serve people and do ministry? So all of you are uh, here at the Mill Sunday School. I assume that many of you are interested in ministry. Many of you are inter- interested in evangelism. Many of you are interested in uh, sharing Christ and being uh, salt and light on this earth. So if we really consider the incarnation, what does that say practically about how we serve peplo? <laughs> Uh, I hate spelling errors. Anyways, would you discuss that? Ready, cassette, discuss. So I walked around and listened to a couple of your responses, and some of them were wonderful. Jesus coming to this earth says a lot about how we should come into this world. Jesus fully came into the world, and he would give his life for it. And so I heard some of you talking about, well, maybe that's the difference between um, us as Americans. We really like to just... um, you know, we see an issue, we see some people on TV, we see children who are starving, and, and the response we often give, because we're Americans, and, and many of us have money, at least a lot of money compared to other people in the world, and we often say, well, let, let's just send some money their way. And that's great, and that's wonderful. But incarnational ministry takes it a step further. That's why we go on mission trips. Has anybody in here been on a mission trip? Look at all the hands. This is why we go. I mean, you could have just taken your money that you were going to spend on the flight and sent it, sent the money to where you were going to go. But that's not incarnational ministry. Incarnational ministry, you send yourself. I remember in the early uh, 2000s, the chat rooms were popular. Anybody remember these chat rooms? You go to chat rooms and chat about things. And there were a bunch of Christians that were in, really into evangelism via chat rooms. They'd, they'd make up a name for themselves, something cool and Christian-y like Jesus loves you one, two, three. And then they would go on the chat rooms and, and just chat with their fake name and their kind of fake profile and, and kind of share Jesus in these chat rooms where people were talking about like ham radios. You'd, you'd jump in there and you would talk about Jesus and get those ham radio guys saved or whatever. Um, and it's like, is that how ministry is done Or is, in fact, ministry done with the people you really, really know? Your friends, your your neighbors, the people that are close to you. And I think we would all agree, well, the chat room thing, that's just kind of silly and fun. But the real incarnational ministry that happens, the real sharing of Christ, is when we not just, you know, hand out a message. There's lots of... um, like a tract ministry. You just hand out tracts, standing on the street corner, handing out tracts to people, and maybe they will take the tract, and maybe they will read it later, and maybe they will contact someone about Jesus. But who do they contact? Well, probably not you, because you just handed them a piece of paper, then you were out. 
That's, that's a way to do ministry, and it's a whole lot better than doing nothing. But is that incarnational ministry? I would say, no, I guess that's not. The, the incarnational ministry would be to go to someone, to have someone in your house, to share a meal with someone, not just get on a chat room, not to just send money away to some other place, let some other person do it. But incarnational ministry says, you, go be in, in people's lives Fully, you surround yourself, you hang out with them, you, you talk to them, you welcome them into your home, you be with them, you share the love of Christ through living with them instead of just like removed from them, like up, you're up on a pedestal throwing down information. That's not the way our Lord Jesus came, and that's not the way we should do ministry. So, I got some news for you guys, and it's really good news and it's, it's change news. And with change comes uh, like a sense of fear sometimes. And this change is good change. This change, this transitional change is really good. So let's start talking about Sunday school. Sunday school has been around for uh, almost 11 years now. We started it in 2004. If you go straight out these doors and keep walking through the parking lot, you will hit Pikes Peak Community College. And in there, uh, 11 years ago, we started the Mill Sunday School as an incarnational ministry, a a ministry for college and young adults where we get together, we're nerdy about our faith, and, and we have a sermon by, with a real person really talking, a real pastor, and we discuss things. We've always been in round circles and groups. Uh, we always do discussion questions. We talk to each other. We live lives together. We've had small groups since the beginning. We've had uh, kind of events and things to get us together and do things. And the, the, the future of Sunday school is a really, 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 really bright one. The elders of New Life, the uh, associate pastors, executive pastors, the leadership pastors of New Life are, have been very, very happy with the Mill Sunday School. It's a group. It's a gathering. It's a, it's a young adults ministry. We're doing great things like the retreat. We're doing great things like uh, the New Year's Eve celebration. And there's, there's a transition coming, but it's going to be a really good one. And you have to trust me that Sunday School is in really good hands. Do you trust me? Some of you do. Some of you have been here coming for a very long time. Some of you are brand new. And you're like, I don't know this guy. I don't trust you. But many of you do. And so lots of you will lean into this change, and it will be a really good one. And lots of you will be really excited about what I'm going to say next. So the future of New Life Church is in congregations. We are a church that is, are, are, we are growing we are adding people to our number, as, as the book of Access, Acts says. We're adding to, to the number daily those who are being saved and those who are going out. And New Life Church uh, has been adding congregations. How many of you go to New Life Friday night? Look at all the hands. Great. So, and you know that it's not just another service time. It is fully another congregation being led and shepherded under Daniel Grothy. And it is not just, uh, just, oh, you could come at this service or this service. It's like, no, this is a congregation in and of itself. How many of you have ever been to New Life Downtown? Lots of hands. New Life Downtown, same thing. It's like we're, we're going to plant a congregation 
in downtown, and it's going to be salt and light. It's going to be the incarnation, uh, the incarnational ministry as Jesus came to the earth. We, with the image of God, the icons of who God is, we are going to go and lead people to Christ, gather, worship our Lord, and as people watch us worship, they are going to worship too. They're going to fall in love with, with us and, and ultimately God, the creator who made us, whose image we bear. And so we're not going to add New Life Church. We could, add, we could make some more buildings. Our, our buildings are big enough as is. Um, but we need places to grow. We need places. We really need places for, for volunteers to serve. New Life Church is seen as a big building. It's like, oh, they got everything covered. They, they're good. I'm just going to come in, kind of cross my arms and watch them show me church. And that is not the way of incarnational ministry. That is not the vision of New Life at all. The vision of New Life is to come in. Become one of us. Have meals with us. Section communities are doing great. And we're, we're, by the way, we're like some of those section communities are meeting like in hallways because we just don't have the room. And so new life is growing. What do we do? How do we get people? I think about people all the time that are, that, that moved here, that come to new life and they're professional musicians who could lead people to the Lord and who are wonderful at it. And it's like, well, we already have, you know, we have plenty of people who are already a part of the band. And where can those people serve? Well, Let's have some more congregations. Let's, let's plant new congregations. Let's, let's go to our city. Let we, we on the north end are, are, are in our city. But let's go and be salt and light in different ways, in more incarnational ways in our city. So, to be in the city for the sake of the city, um, many of you know that, here's my fam. Say, aww. Um, we're, we're on the steps of a church in Manitou Springs because we live in Manitou Springs. And a couple months ago, not, I, actually I shouldn't say, uh, about a month and a half ago, does that sound right? Uh, Brady asked me, he said, Joe, on my heart for a very long time has been Manitou Springs. Joe, what would you think about planting a church in Manitou Springs? And my jaw just dropped. I, I was like, what, why me? Why uh, I've never thought about being a senior pastor of a congregation. I've never thought about planting a church. I was just kind of dumbfounded, and I probably looked like an idiot, which is what I do most of the time, so I was good at it. But, <laughs> but I began to pray. I asked Erica about it. Like, what, what would you think about being a part of a, of a church plant in Manitou Springs? We've, we've lived in Manitou Springs for eight years now. We've fallen in love with the people, and, and we've seen a real need for a church. Manatee Springs has a mystique about it for being a, a dark city. And if you've been down there, you've probably seen hippies, and you've seen the— um, if you've ever been down there for, like, the coffin races, some of you don't even know what that is. Don't worry about it. Um, there's weird stuff that goes down there, on down there. And, and besides the, the kind of the humor that goes with that, it's a dark place. It's a place that um, is, there, there's legalized marijuana there, so there's a lot of addiction. There's a lot of homelessness in the summers. People come just to get high uh, and kind of just live a lifestyle of, of decadence and, and being high. Um, there's a lot of um, fear of floods, like Manitou, the, the Can- Waldo Canyon meets uh, Williams Canyon meets the, the Fountain Creek, and whenever it rains really hard, you better believe that the people of Manitou, there's a gripping fear. Like I, on my street, I have seen every car taken and pushed down into Fountain Creek. I've seen houses destroyed and people have lost their lives in the floods that have happened there recently because of the fires that happened a couple years ago. So there's a gripping fear. There's, there's a need for a church where it's a city of 5,000 people 
And um, there's four churches. And none of those churches would be churches that are, would say, oh, yeah, we're, we're, we're like New Life. We're spirit-filled. We believe in the Bible. We, we love the Lord Jesus. We're going to evangelize. We're going to do great things for our city. Um, some of those churches, they're, they're all good churches, but none of them are similar to us. There's, there's churches that are very liberal. There's churches that are um, just doing good things, but... There's, there's not a church like New Life. Comparably, Monument is a city of 5,000, and there's over 20 churches there. So it's like, oh, Manitou's, uh, Monument is being reached in Manitou. Well, there, there's a need there. There's, there's something about this place that uh, my family and I have lived for eight years that there's a need there. So um, we told Brady yes. So... Um, the elders voted. They, they, big decisions like this. They, it goes to the elder board, and uh, got to present. Brett Brady got to present uh, what we, him and I were talking about, and it's exciting times because of the need that's there. And I feel over my head. I feel like there, there's going to be a great team that's going to go down and support. I feel like things are falling into place. I could, I could probably talk for a very long time, and I probably will uh, next Sunday school. Uh, not next week because we're, we're not meeting, but the week after on the 3rd, I'll be here to talk. I think we're going to talk about this transition for the whole time. For an hour, uh, we will talk about this transition. What's that mean for New Life Manitou? What's that mean for, for the Sunday school? And so what, the, what about Sunday school? What does that mean for you guys? Well, it means really good things. And this transition is a good one. It is, it is a great one. Uh, there's, there's, there's always transition as churches gather as people, the body of Christ. Some, of, some transition has to come after scandal. And, and if you've been around this church long enough, you know a little bit about that. If you don't, Google it. Um, there, there's bad transitions that have to happen because of sin. And then there's just great transitions that get to happen because of the Lord's move and the Holy Spirit leading people. So we get to be a part of that transition. And I can say Assuredly, that Sunday school, like I said in the beginning, kind of hinting at what I was going to say, knowing that I was going to announce this, that Sunday school is in really, really, really good hands. Uh, I'm not at this time going to announce who's going to take over Sunday school. We're going to, we're going to wait and announce that, and, and, and maybe he can be here, or maybe he can announce it himself more incarnationally than just talking about him. But Sunday school is in great hands. It's going to, I think it's going to turn a new corner and do great things. I think Sunday school is, is primed for, for growth, primed to take another step, primed to, I think in my personality has always been nerdiness. Like we even do like the nerd alerts and you, you humor me and, and chanting your little nerdy things. Um, and thank you. But I think a weakness maybe of mine is that, well, what about people that, you know, discipleship is really good, but what about reaching people? And the, the, the person we're going to bring in as a, as a young uh, pastor, a shepherd, and a, a gatherer of people, and I think a new step will be gathering people together and, and proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ in a way that will really be uh, with his gifts. So that's the news. It's really exciting for me and scary for me at the same time. I've been doing Sunday school since I started working at New Life, since 2004, 11 years, came on staff, 
and started Sunday school and have seen the, the mill on a Friday night, if you remember that, many of you do, grow and then it became, it flourished into its own ministry. And we got, for me, it was really cool because I got to see lots of friends I had 10 years ago come back to a service and, and with their kids be a part of a service, and the Mill Sunday School has, has remained constant, and the Mill Sunday School has remained this place where college and 20-somethings gather, and it will continue to do that. So, in conclusion, I have um, a sermon for you. I, I, um, I, I got to say today my favorite sermon illustration, and I want to close today with an excerpt of one of my favorite Christmas sermons ever, which is, I looked back at last year's notes, and I read excerpts of this sermon last year, and to God be the glory. We could read this sermon, excerpts of it, the whole thing, whatever, every Christmas, and we would be the better for it. So this guy named John Chrysostom, he, uh, his last name, that's not his last name, in Greek it means golden mouth. Do you think he was a good public speaker or a bad one? He was pretty good. To be, have a nickname, Golden Mouth, you've got to be good at something. And speaking was what he was good at. He was an ascetic monk. He became a priest. Uh, he, he had most of the Bible. Listen to this. He had most of the Bible memorized, like set to memory. And he could, without notes, just preach out of the Bible as if he was holding it because he had so much of it memorized. A true genius. Uh, he was studied as a lawyer and then took that rhetoric into the church world and was able to preach. And so his sermon, the Nativity Sermon, I will read a, a couple excerpts here. It says, Behold, a new and wondrous mystery. My ears resound to the shepherd's song, Piping No Soft Melody but chanting full forth a heavenly hymn. The angels sing, the archangels blend their voices in harmony. The cherubims hymn their joyful praise. The seraphim exalt his glory. All join to praise his holy feast, beholding the Godhead here on earth. Bethlehem this day resembles heaven. Christ, finding the holy body and the soul of a virgin, builds for himself a living temple, And as he had willed, formed there a man from the virgin, and putting him on, this day came forth, unashamed of the lowliness of our nature. Come then, let us observe this feast. Truly wondrous is the whole chronicle of the nativity. For this day the ancient slavery is ended, the devil confounded, demons take flight, the power of death is broken, paradise is unlocked, And the curse is taken away. Sin is removed from us. Error driven out. Truth has been brought back. The speech of kindliness diffused and spreads on every side. A heaven way of life has been implanted on the earth. Listen to this. He became flesh. He did not become God. He was God. For whenever he became flesh, so that he whom heaven did not contain, a manger would this day receive. He was placed in a manger so that he, by whom all things nourished, may receive an infant's food from his virgin mother. So the father of all ages, as an infant at the breast, nestles in the virgin's arms, and the heavens give glory as the Lord is revealed by a star. To him then, who out of confusion has wrought a clear path to Christ, to the Father, to the Holy Spirit, we offer all praise now and forever. Amen. We hope you've been spiritually encouraged by listening to this podcast. 
More podcasts and information about the college and 20-somethings ministry at New Life Church in Colorado Springs can be found at newlifechurch.org forward slash Sunday School.